Welcome in to another episode of the Half Court Press Podcast. I'm John Niatawa, joined by Chris Hetty, as always. We've got a lot to talk about. A lot to talk about. Basketball season has ended for Nebraska and Creighton, the two teams we cover. So we'll take a look back. We'll take a look ahead. But I do want to start with uh, the most pertinent news uh, around these parts in terms of college basketball, and that's the firing of Tim Miles. Nebraska Athletic Director Bill Moose announced um, Tuesday. Tuesday. We're recording this on Thursday. Yeah. I lose track of days. Oh, trust. I've, so, and I'm I sure you're in that. Well, yeah, I've not right. known what day it was for like a week. Yeah, that's kind of. I feel like that's just typical of March and covering a basketball team. Yeah, you just everything happens. Even if there are coaches and on the hot seat, like, right. things are insane. Games are at different times and different days. And, they, and like, I feel like is, they go faster mm, too. Yeah, everything. Like you watch, you watch your game. It's like, oh, cool. There's another one on. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of basketball. Anyway, so. Tim Miles fired by uh, by Nebraska, and now the coaching search begins. What's I guess let's just start with the decision to fire Tim Miles. I think a lot of people understand why it was made, but I wonder what did you take away from the things that Bill Moose said mm-hmm. that led him to this decision? You were there. You were asking questions. I yeah. wonder what your impression of his response to that that topic of you know how he 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 settled on that the decision of okay it's time to part ways we gotta move in a different direction. Yeah, he he was kind of vague. Um, we asked him a couple different ways to try and figure out. Um, you know, I asked him straight up like when when was the turning point? When did things change? And then he kind of went through this broad like here's how the whole season went. Um, and he he basically said that the turning point was the Rutgers game. So Nebraska loses to Michigan State. And then they go on the road. They decide they don't want to play basketball that night, and they lose to Rutgers. Well, then they built the lead, didn't they? Is that the one they built the lead? Rutgers. They built the lead. That's true. And then Rutgers went on a 15-0 run, right. and then everything was over. Yeah. Um, and so after that game, uh, I think the Moose said was the snowball started going in the wrong direction or something. Yeah. It was snowballing in the wrong direction. Um, so that was the moment Bill Moose thought, this isn't good. There wasn't a clear and then Sam asked him you know I know you have a list when did you take out that list and start to make calls like when did you actually start and Moose was kind of cheeky and was like well it's only three names so it's not hard to not know who they are and so he didn't really want to say when he started making calls or when things started to happen um but we know at some point Bill Moose decided that it was over it was over yeah did, yeah did you get a sense that he started that's I wonder if you got a sense that he started sort of putting feelers out and, and pulling out that list before yeah. he had decided that it was over? Or did he think, it's trending like it's about to be over. I better get myself prepared. Yeah, I think he, I mean, he said um, afterwards that, you know, he's not doing his job if he's not making calls to kind of save himself. So, like, just in case things go wrong, you're yeah. making calls and trying to gauge interest and whatnot. From everything that I've been told and, you know, talking with a bunch of people that like mid February was about the time that they started reaching out to not necessarily the coaches, but people around the coaches to see if they'd be interested. Gotcha. And, um, so, I mean, I think that we've talked of, about like when was the actual end to the Nebraska season. So, like, when was the actual end to Tim Miles's? Um, I think like maybe around the Illinois game when they went on the road and lost to Illinois, that was the point when I think that collectively everyone was like, wow, this is kind of unsalvageable at this mm-hmm. point now again moose hasn't said what day or what game and maybe he will down the road but 
I think the Rutgers games might be the might be the best indicator of like, all right, they didn't beat Michigan State. They put a lot of energy into that, and then they go on the road to Rutgers, and then it kind of fell apart from there. So, you know, I, watching that press conference, I kind of just got this sense that you're right. Bill Moose wasn't incredibly specific with what his, except for saying that he expects Nebraska basketball to compete for a Big Ten title, like every other sport at Nebraska. Mm-hmm. That's sort of his. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it wasn't compete. It was compete in the, the upper half. half. Yeah. yeah, upper half. If you're winning the big, I think you said if you win the Big Ten title, you don't have to worry about the postseason because you're in a good spot. Yeah, yeah. So those were kind of the two expectation, like Setting. concrete sort of ideas where he's framed framing it. And to me, that general, I just kind of got that general sense that he thinks Nebraska basketball can be better than what it has been mm-hmm. or whatever expectation expectations have been placed for this program over the last couple decades, specifically under the Tim Tim Miles era, Mm -hmm. that we can raise those. And I think ultimately when you do raise those, that means you have to, I mean, Tim Miles era is over. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that Bill Moose rejects the narrative and the idea that it can't be done at Nebraska, that Nebraska is just a football school and that no one can turn around. Like he even said, he thinks that a basketball program can be turned around quicker than a football program because there's less people and all you need is a good coach and like one point guard and then you're good to go. And I actually don't disagree with that. Um, I think I, I think been I, proven yeah, pretty clearly. Yeah, just look yeah. at the landscape over the last two years, yeah, three I mean, years. Look at look at Iowa State with Fred Hoiberg. I mean, Iowa State they went sixteen and sixteen, and the next year they went to the tournament. Um, you know, look at Long Kruger at Oklahoma. I know Sam had a story. Uh, that went up, I think, today or yesterday about all the circumstances of, like, these programs were not good, and then you hire the right coach, and then you're good to go, and you go. Um, So he kind of, you know, Bill Moose is very traditionalist, and that's a very traditional, you know, we see the right coach and right whatever, and we can... Mm -hmm. And in this way, it is a good thing that Bill Moose is not from Nebraska, where he hasn't been living in this world where he's surrounded by people that are saying, well, it's just never going to work out with Nebraska basketball. He rejects that idea. Yeah. He basically says, you know, you this can't happen. You know what's interesting, though? What? It's like, I felt like Tim Miles had that mentality. Don't you I, remember? I don't know if you you, you weren't working first, but you were probably there or around. Remember when Dirk Chatland No, it's Sunday. Was it No, it's Sunday yep. when Tim when Miles was like, don't put that crap on me, the yep. history? Yeah, like, that's not on me. It's not on us. So he had that mentality. He definitely brought in a I different agree. energy yeah. to it. But it still didn't. Maybe it just was because. I mean, we we don't have to get into why it didn't work. But I do think it it was. It's notable that Nebraska. It's not like Nebraska has done the same thing over and over right. again. Right. I I think with Tim Miles, it was a it was a change in direction. I think with like Barry Collier and Doc Sadler. Yeah, yeah. Those were those kind were of yeah. yeah. Th- those were kind of the you know. But Tim the, was like is, a different yeah. sort of vibe and. It led to the same result, so mm-hmm. I can definitely understand why people would be like, "It doesn't really matter what you do. Yeah. This is this program only ha- can go so high." Right. But Bill Moose is saying, "No, no, no, no. We're right. we're going. Uh, we think we can be just as good as anyone. Um, you know, aside from blue bloods, because that's right. Yeah. I mean, I think unrealistic, I, but I think that I've actually had a conversation with Bill Moose about this before about Washington State football, and when he was the AD at Washington State, you know, Washington State football hasn't been historically good um and he went out and he hired mike leach and they were in the rose bowl last mm-hmm. year i believe in the rose bowl last year they went to the rose bowl not not long after he got there because he made the right hire and things went well um but and he mo- has told me you know 
It's the same type of thing. I've been and and when he was at Oregon, he hired Ernie Kent, who Ernie Kent got fired from Oregon and Washington State, but he went on a run with Oregon. He's I mean Ernie Kent is the winningest head coach in Oregon basketball history right now. Dane Altman's probably going to end up catching him, but they went to two elite eights. And so, like, he, he has done this before where you just hire the right guy, and he's seen it turn around. So mm-hmm. I think he doesn't see Nebraska as, well, it's Nebraska, so that can't work. I think he sees it as the rest of the country would of, like, well, you just get the right guy, and it, it, they can go up. Right. Timeline. Timeline. He said seven to 14 days. <laughs> he did. Is that right? So basically he did. one to two weeks. Yeah. And he, he, here's, here is another sort of perspective. We just talked about this before we started recording. There's been a lot of momentum, and obviously you've reported that Nebraska has been in contact with Fred Hoiberg. And, mm-hmm. and Bill Moose he acknowledged that. It. Yep. Yeah, he yep. confirmed that he's been in contact with Fred. But he did not, based on his comments, he made it seem as if the conversations um, linking Fred Hoiberg to the job are not as far along as reports and rumors and yeah. general assumption from those on the outside would lead you to believe like we're uh, operating under the assumption right now I, myself who's not reporting on this story and fans of nebraska basketball and other fans uh, who are following it we're all kind of under operating under the assumption that fred hoiberg is going to be named the head coach mm-hmm. but when you watch that press conference it felt like wait a second right it was odd. is he i mean here's the thing i i fully expected it's gonna be fred hoiberg like i think it's gonna be him um there's no real i mean i i'm i refuse i don't want to go as far to say it's a done deal because done deal implies that you know you've signed a contract you are at practices you're there dana altman had a done deal went to arkansas came back that's what i say is it ever done because here's the thing it's never done until you're at practice not even the press conference when you put on the whistle and you get on the court that's i literally just read a story today about how chris beard took the unlv job and was there for like 19 days and then texas tech came calling and he went down there i mean i don't know if you ever feel comfortable but so nato's just signed a five-year contract extension with buffalo yeah in his release of that contract he was like i it would have to take a miracle for me to leave buffalo and then like two weeks later he's at alabama yeah right so anything can happen i get you so that's my my thing i'm never going to say it's a done deal but i expect it's going to be hoiberg and i think that moose going out there saying i asked him if it was close and he said no yeah that was interesting i asked him if he'd be surprised he said seven to 14 days Mm -hmm. i asked him if he'd he'd be surprised if it was less than seven days and he said yes Mm. um so i think he was just throwing cold water on everything and basically i mean there was a report in the des moines register uh yesterday i think it was that you know we're basically just waiting on michigan state to lose it's really important to fred and his wife that they're at their son's basketball games his son jack is a walk-on at michigan state and so he wants to be there for him now he wants to be there for them and they're in the caribbean well i guess they're not anymore but they were in the caribbean this week um because that's where they vacation uh but i mean it, it that would make sense that we're just waiting on the timing to be right i think that's probably also why um tim miles was strung along for so long in terms of like they landed at noon on Monday. Miles was not contacted that day by anybody, and then he wasn't. Con- he, it, took, it took like twenty four hours for them to actually call him mm. and um, fire him. And I think it's because they were not in any hurry because they weren't going to hire anybody anytime soon. Okay. Um, so I mean, 
I think it was him throwing cold water on the situation and saying, well, we got a lot of options and there's no front runner and Fred's with this and whatever. Um, but, you know, a reminder that he lied about Scott Frost, too. <laughs> like, he uh, said that they didn't meet in Philadelphia. They obviously did. Um, Bill has said that the co- the talks with Fred are not very far along, that they're not close, uh, that they haven't hosted Fred and Lincoln. I think that in the next two weeks, we'll learn a lot of what the truth is. Um, I wonder why. I guess I'm maybe not experienced enough to know why. Maybe I can't see the bigger picture as to why you would take that tact. Um, I don't I, know you, why obviously, you would need to go that far. Yeah. yeah, but but then again, you know, Bill Moose is um, he operates in a different manner yeah. as an athletic director, and he wants to be available. So if you're going to answer questions, you're going to get some questions that may put you in a precarious spot in mm-hmm. terms of, well, you're trying to negotiate a deal with somebody, or maybe the deal's done, but you don't feel that again. You're trying to be respectful of the uh, um, your new hire right you know so i i I do get it to a certain extent but you also want to kind of leave some space between like you know what if it doesn't work out and then you already said that it was and then you look like you got egg on your face Mm -hmm. and so you know i think that it was surprising um it puts it takes less pressure off of them in a way um but would i be surprised if fred hoiberg was announced you know, early next week before the seven to fourteen day, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, no. I would not you be surprised if that yeah. if that happened. Um, I mean, I think it depends on Michigan State because the thing is, you also have to play this game of like Bill Moose loves the optics and he loves, you know, uh, he he when he hired Scott Frost, he was totally okay with him coaching in the Peach Bowl because he was like, it's a big advertisement for Nebraska. Well, if Michigan State goes to the Final Four and then they hire Fred Hoiberg on a Monday or Tuesday. Then you go to the Final Four. Fred, if Fred Hoiberg goes to the Final Four to support his son, he's wearing Nebraska gear. You're a walking advertisement for Nebraska basketball yeah. in the biggest story of college basketball. You know right. what I mean? So, I mean, there are all these scenarios that could possibly happen. Um, but it was an interesting press conference because I don't think we really expected him to just be like, no, I have called three people and we'll see. It's it. it you're right about the optics. When Nebraska... Assuming Nebraska hires Fred Hoiberg, the day that it happens, like this is going to be a national story. Absolutely. And Nebraska basketball is going to be, it's going to, I don't know if it's going to ever have been at this height from a profile standpoint, at least in recent memory. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, like, you know, I was just randomly watching some show on ESPN, talk show, you know, where they kind Mm -hmm. of banter back and forth and they were making jokes about Fred Hoiberg being out out of basketball you know oh, really? he's not coaching the bulls anymore mm-hmm. what he's irrelevant yeah they weren't even talking about nebraska but he his name still resonates his main his name this, means something right yeah. this show they, they're talking like nba stuff you know they're not even talking about college basketball yeah but his name still resonates yeah. and so when or if he's hired like this will be a big story in college basketball circles it'll be a big story in nba circles mm-hmm. and it'll be a big story in the sports world which is rare for Nebraska basketball yeah. to be kind of roped into all of that. And I think the, so that'll be, um, I mean, I think it'll be a lot of fun for Nebraska fans for sure, but I it'll also be important is, for the program. Yeah, I think the difference is it's the difference between BTN talking up the hire and ESPN personalities like first going take, crazy. You know, first they, take, it, it could be on that. jump. Yeah. Stephen A. Smith's going to talk right. about. National radio shows maybe, yeah. right? Like, and, and, and this is the thing with, like, when Scott Frost was hired, you know, Marty Smith and him go to the Grand Canyon, hmm. you know, 
which is different from when Mike Riley was hired. There was kind of everyone was like, what? Hmm. Huh. Okay. Let's move on to the news of the day. Right. And whereas with Fred Hoiberg, because of because he was in Chicago, one of the biggest media markets, because that he was fired and he had to deal with Derrick Rose and Jimmy Butler and just like so many like lightning rods. People know who he is. You know, there was a somewhat famous moment a couple years ago when they were in the playoffs that he would, you know, Fred Horberg famously said that Isaiah Thomas carries every time he dribbles. And after they lost to the Celtics in a playoff game, some, you know, troll reporter was like, do you think Isaiah carried it? And Hoiberg said no and stormed off. And it was a big old deal. Yeah. So, but, so, like, people know who he is in the sports world. So it's the difference between, you know, people being endearing to Tim Miles on BTN and being like, this is a, you know, this is nice little Nebraska. This is great. To, you know, Rachel Nichols giving you the report on the jump or whatever of like Fred Hoiberg, who was fired with the Chicago Bulls, is now at Nebraska. Let's talk about Nebraska basketball for two minutes. Yeah. And I would love, love to hear what Stephen A. Smith thinks he knows about Nebraska <laughs> basketball. Love it. I mean, it yeah. would be incredible. Right. Um, okay. So there's the coaching search. Yeah. There's also a roster at Nebraska that um, will be in flux or could potentially be in flux. Yeah. Um, we know of two guys at least who have decisions to make, and maybe add to the list if I'm wrong. Isaiah Roby, mm-hmm. who could, cons- I mean, if I were advising him, I'd say declare and mm-hmm. then just see what happens. But so he could declare for the draft and then come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Thomas Allen announced, or some, it was a reported, you reported it, mm-hmm. that he has entered his name in the transfer portal so, portal. so he'll decide once the coach is hired if he wants to stay or go. Yeah. Anybody else? Um, I think Nana Kenton's probably a name to watch. Okay. He was suspended at the end of the year. Um, and I think that he's a, he's a kid that could potentially transfer. And that's not based off of any, you know, insight. I just think that he's somebody well, he that I could see. Right. Yeah. So, right. He, I think that he could okay. be like, you know what? Screw this. I'm going to go somewhere else. So, um, do you, yeah. So those three. Yeah. Oh, do you have a read on, on Allen or, or Roby or no, any thoughts I mean, on... I think with Roby is the more interesting one because he's, you know he's a really smart kid, and I can see, I honestly could see his parents and him sitting down and deciding like, you know what, I'm just gonna get my degree. I'll play one more year. If it is Hoiberg, he fits fantastic in that system. He would thrive, um, and you know, do your draft stock better, um, improve your draft stock, and just stay one more year. So my I have always thought that I have a, I think he's gonna stay. I've thought that for the whole season. Um, but if, if I mean, NBA scouts really like him. And so I'm curious where he would, like, land on yeah, a draft Do we board. have a mock I don't. Estimate? I haven't seen really anything. Okay. I mean, I, he's not a first-rounder. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that if he stayed for a senior year, he could be he could move up to that. So here's what I would do if so I, I don't were know. him. Yeah. I would Just declare. declare and see if I get a combine invite. Yeah. I mean, because yeah. here's – and the thing is, if you get a combine invite, the new rule is if you get a combine – combine invite and you go undrafted you can come back to school right so if you I mean, if you don't get a combine invite then okay this is made yeah come back yeah but so there's like there's options there now a little bit more than maybe in the past well that's what isaac copeland and james palmer did right but they didn't get invited to the combine true that's true so if if roby you know top 75 or mm-hmm. so prospects get invited to the com get a combine invite so if he were to get one yeah then you know then maybe uh Maybe, maybe things about leaving. Yeah, yeah. I but mean, again, I, there's that rule where if you if you go to the combine, you don't get drafted, you can come back. Right. So that would open. Like, it's nice to have options yeah. always, right? Free advice from John. Yeah. There you go. Hey. Yeah. My, the thing is, it's like 
there's always been this stigma, or at least ha- has been lately, of you know if you're not going to be a lottery pick or a surefire first round pick, stay in school. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that that is accurate anymore. Um, it seems like most players over the last two or three years, when they're drafting the second round or signing two year deals, and if they're making the minimum, okay, it's eight hundred thousand dollars. Right. They're making eight hundred thousand dollars, man. Right, right. Like compare that to what they're getting now. It's nothing. Which is zero. I mean, they get the scholarship sure. and the. It's and, not eight hundred thousand right. dollars worth though. No. Yeah. You get eight hundred thousand dollars. That is your money. I mean, taxes, taxes, <laughs> well, taxes, taxes. Right. Okay, but, but you, you get my get point. You get money. my point. Yeah, you get yeah, my yeah. point. Yeah. Um. It 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 isn't. I mean, there there are still, like, so you go as a second rounder, and then you have. You know, the argument is, well, you're just going to sit the bench or you're going to play in the G League, but you're getting paid. And you can yeah. still develop as a player yeah. in that setting the same way you would in college. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I, I, can, I, I guess yeah. that my point is, is that there are things that you can think about. And, you know, I've talked a lot of the, about this with Creighton fans in regard to Kyrie Thomas specifically because he was kind of in that range of end of the first round, early second round. What do you do with that? Yeah. And um, it just seems like, over the last few years, you know, there's a financial difference, obviously, about how much money you're going to sign for and and how long your contract will, will last if you get drafted top of the first round versus end of the first round versus second round. But there's still guaranteed money available for second mm-hmm. rounders for mm-hmm. the majority of them. And uh, and there's a way that you, you can get you can still develop as a player sure. and also make money. Yeah. Yeah. That's never never a bad right. idea. So, I mean, I think Roby's got a decision. I think Thomas Allen's probably going to transfer. Um, I do think Roby would benefit from staying in school, by the way. But I absolutely yeah. – I mean, Because, like, dude, what, what you said about a, him fitting Hoiberg's system seems to make one, total if, sense. Yeah, one, if he fits his system. Two, he, like, very uniquely, more so than most student-athletes that I've covered, um, understands that his time in basketball is very limited. And he's going to be a really good CEO of some random company in a yeah. high rise in Chicago one day. Um, so getting his degree, I think, it's going to be something. Um, yeah, that matters. The, the commits that they that Nebraska okay, sorry, has, yeah. I'm not you, sure. Do you think Thomas might go? I think Thomas, uh, yeah. I mean, we yeah. had kind of heard last year that he was thinking about leaving, right. and then they kind of convinced him to stay. Um, I think that it's just he wants right. to maybe do something else. Um, right, and so now they have recruits. On the or who have committed yeah, so, already, I mean, or signed? Yeah, signed. Signed, or, yeah. yeah. Like they're signed. A lot of them said that they're the kind of wait and see. Gervais Green is the junior college commit from Western Nebraska. Um, I don't. I don't. I mean, I. I'm not sure if he'll come to Nebraska if Hoiberg is here or whoever it is. He, I mean, right. he was a Tim Miles guy, ride or die. I think part of it to, depends on if Tim Miles gets a job. I think Gervais Green would follow Tim Miles. I really do. Mm. Um, so that's one to look for. Mike Adams Woods, I'm not sure. I haven't. You know, I think that he's kind of a wait and see. Um, he'd be okay with Hoiberg. Um, I think a Cola Rope is going to go to Nebraska no matter what. Um, and then the the commits down the road, like Donovan Williams, I think you're probably still okay. He's probably still going to go to Nebraska. So I mean, I think that. So I mean, I asked people for for questions on Twitter. Uh, and I'll go over a few of them. We've answered yeah. a couple of them, but we'll go over a few of them. Later. Right, but one else? of them was like, what's next year's starting lineup look like? And I have absolutely yeah. no clue whatsoever. I have no confidence of who's going to be here, who's not going to be here. And you never know because, one, college – I mean, if you go look at Wikipedia pages of first-year head coaches at places, uh, they have, like, arrivals and departures from the year previous or whatever. And it's unbelievable <laughs> the amount of names that are on those lists. So I think that 
next year's roster could be drastically different than what it currently sits at. And it was going to be different anyway. You know, there was always, I mean, there's going to be Tanner, Borkart, Isaac, James Palmer, Johnny Trueblood. Those, I mean, those seniors. Roby Roby was going to leave and maybe leave anyway. Yeah. Glenn Watson. So it'll be really different, I think. Anything else that was that? <laughs> Let me look. Yeah. yeah, folks, ask you. Yeah, real quick. Um, uh, Andrew asked percentage chance uh, that the next head coach will be Hoiberg. Then the level of panic and social unrest if it's not. <laughs> um, percentage chance that it's Hoiberg right now. I think I'd probably put at like ninety. Mm, yeah. Panic would be. Um, I think. Uh, have I, you ever seen Mean Girls? Yeah. Have you seen Mean Girls? Yes, yeah. You know when the burn book comes out and like the hallway becomes just like a jungle. Mm. Uh, that. Yeah. A little bit of that. Um, because that's the thing. That's the one thing is like. I don't for, know. For whatever reason, if it's not Hoiberg, then it's whoever is hired. God bless their soul. <laughs> no doubt. Because that they will ne- they that will never be accepted because you're not Fred Hoiberg. Yeah. You know. Right. Um, Nebraska fans are a reasonable bunch of people. Like uh, they collectively handle every issue, just like every fan base. Yeah. Like everyone has. Um, there's 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 no there's no overreaction involved at all, right? None. Yeah. No. No. They lost to Minnesota, and they might as well uh, close the program. <laughs> uh, Brian asked, "What's the first priority for a new head coach immediately after getting hired?" My first thought is talking to Isaiah Roby. Yeah, that's what I would say. Isn't that what you? Yeah. Would, yeah. I mean, I feel like. Especially if it's Hoiberg, it's like, hey, because I I compared it earlier to talking to somebody. Um, remember Brandon Ubell? He mm-hmm. was the first, you know, Tim Miles' first year. He was a senior. He was kind of the backbone of the Miles. Like, here's how we're going to start doing things. And I think that that can be Roby. Um, I think Roby's a little bit better than Brandon Ubell. Actually, I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah yes better. and no. He's I mean, um, he definitely has more potential. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, two quick ones. Um, did Bill Moose engage uh, the use of an outside business or firm during the search? Um, no, he doesn't do that. Um, a lot of people do. If he did do that, we probably wouldn't have heard Fred Hoiberg's name yet. Or we might have, man. They, that, Maybe. More people involved, more potential for leaks, too. Yeah, but at the same time, though, if you go through a search firm, then a lot of things are private. In like You can have private communications, and you can oh. have private planes, and like no one knows where you are. I mean, like think Mike Riley. Nobody Those really are very expensive, coming. though, by the way. It kind of feels like a ripoff. Yeah. I mean, athletic directors, that's what you're supposed to do. Hire coaches. Right, right. Do your job. Yeah. I think I'm glad that he's not doing that. And then this is one I, I, I'll i answer about your, your question, too, um, or your answer, too, is, is Nebraska a destination job for Hoiberg or a stepping stone? So essentially, if Hoiberg is the guy... Do you think he stays here for more than five years, or he stays here and leaves? I think I don't think he stays for five years. But I get, again, I don't really know what he, what's his motivation? Because mm-hmm. as we talk, talked, was it last week or two weeks ago? I don't remember. Two weeks ago, probably when Horvath's first name first came up, I, I came at you. I was like, I'm surprised. Yeah. Like I did not expect him to want to take on this type of challenge. Mm-hmm. And he's just in the NBA. You know, NBA recycles coaches left or right. If right. you get fired in the NBA, no, no worries. You'll get hired <laughs> right. in two years right. as a head coach, right? So once you get to that level, you've already sort of achieved something, and, and you can just chill there. Right. Um, so I, I am, I'm surprised to see him back in the college realm, and if and my thought was is if he come to the college realm that he'd aim higher. Yeah. So I don't know if we really know what Fred Hoiberg's motivations are. Yeah. And maybe, you know, the assumption is, is, well, he's already been to the mountaintop, so he's going to slum it down with us in the valley for a little bit and then just go right back up to the mountaintop yeah. as soon as he gets his gear ready. But 
I don't know. Maybe he feels that, that he's done what he's needed to do up there, and he's ready to take on this challenge and build it up and beer for ride it, ride yeah, it out I mean, for a while. That, I don't know. I it, I think that's that'll be the the question mm-hmm. that probably resonates with fans more than anything. If well, indeed he is so, hired at the press conference, yeah. he'll have to answer that, and people will be like, I don't know, they'll evaluate that that answer. Well, so he, I mean, he's. The more you look into it, the more I've talked to people. I mean, he's got a very close relationship with the city of Lincoln in Nebraska. I mean, he was born in Lincoln. They think of this place, the whole family thinks of this place very fondly. Kind of like think about where you would go when you were like seven in the summers. and Kind of what you think of that place. Mm -hmm. Like that's what Fred feels for Lincoln. Um, You know, he fit in so well in Ames. Um, and Ames in that school was pretty similar to Nebraska in terms of like, you know, Iowa State's a little bit easier to recruit to, I think, but it's still, you're interested in the Midwest and you got winners. And, and I think Nebraska is in a better spot in terms of, you know, the arena and I, it just, it fits in a lot of ways if you actually really think about it. So in some ways I can see this, if they hire Fred, that he could be here for a while. The other part of this though, is if he does extremely well here, there are some blue blood programs that have very old coaches that are going to want to hire him. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Oklahoma. I mean, there are some, I don't think Oklahoma belongs in that conversation, but they well, do have an well, older coach. But, 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 you know what I'm saying? But, but like Oklahoma would probably pay yeah. a lot of money Syracuse, for Syracuse, by the way. Syracuse, another, another yeah, yeah. Program that has. Um, and, yeah, and, I know what you're saying, though. And so I know, Fred Horberg's not like an East Coast yuppie. Coaches with tradition, or programs with tradition and resources that may have an opening. Sure. That are going to look for a coach. A top coach. Yeah. And, and, Fr- and Fred would probably be one of those people. And so, like, in a way where I don't, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he says, you know what? Roy Williams is getting old, so I'm going to go to Nebraska for a couple of years, and I'm going to wait for them to call right. me. Is he master planning this? Yeah, I, I yeah, don't this think seems so. unre- like but, unrealistic. But I, could, but. I could see that being a scenario down the line. Which, to be honest, that's a good problem to have. You want to have a coach that everybody wants. Yeah, you know. And so I don't know if it's a stepping stone by any means, but I can see it go both ways. I think it's just weird because with Scott Frost, it's like, well, he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And Greg McDermott's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so it, this is like the one job in the state in some ways where it's like if you're good enough, someone's going to try and pick you off. Like it's just kind right. of an odd situation. Well, that isn't it, – it's interesting because Greg McDermott had some you – know, Ohio State came calling. Sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if – What if like we Iowa hear, called him? You, you know, I don't I – don't, I, Greg, Ohio State paid Chris Holtman – Three million dollars, mm-hmm. and I, we still don't know for sure if Ohio State extended an offer to uh, an official offer. But there was interest. I mean, they, they flew out here. They were here, yeah. They flew out here to to meet with him. So if that wasn't enough to pull him out of Creighton, I, I don't. I'm not sure what else would. Um, so yeah, you know, there will be other programs that open this off season. You know, what? What? How many? Some Power Five jobs have already been filled but like there is i think there's at one point like 10 power open power five jobs already um so there will be some this year next year i mean it's always a conversation yeah. the, um, the weird thing that i just thought of for greg mcdermott is like what if greg marshall is fired or something and they're like hey greg mcdermott we'll pay you 3.5 million dollars i doubt that he would we'll I, pay I, you two more I, million i don't think it's get. about money yeah, that's, that's what fair. i'm saying yeah. I, I i don't think that because if it was about money, he could like again. I don't again. We don't know if Ohio State actually extended the offer, but if it did, and Greg said no, 
then that says it, a lot. It's, it's yeah. not about money, and yeah. I, and and that was the kind of that was sort of hit the way that he expressed it. Um, he is making. Do we know? No, because Crane's a private, private school; yeah. it doesn't have to disclose it. But the the most it does have to disclose itself as a nonprofit, and on those tax sheets, it they're three years old. That's the most recent one we have, but they list their top five. Um, the the employees, like employees that they pay, yeah, yeah. yeah. and so the la- the latest number I think for Greg was one point seven, one point eight million or something. That was three years old, yeah, before Ohio State quote unquote came calling. So did he sign a imagine. contract extension after that? They, again, they don't have to. You wouldn't even that. tell, yeah, man. That sucks. It's, it's a private school. They don't have to. They don't have to share. So you could have a twenty five year contract, but we have no idea. <laughs> they don't have to share it. Lame. That's uh, lame. What's 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 going depth a little bit about Creighton yeah, season? Let's talk Creighton, uh, yeah. Because I think that. When I look at it, it sort of feels I'm kind of on the fence of whether or not I feel like it was a good season. I was going to say I, I feel like we should start with a very simple question: Was this year a successful year? In in the short term, I feel like no. Yeah, because Creighton's a school that wants to be in NCAA in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. It's players. When I talk to them, sure, you can talk about the expectations from the outside, where people like the Big East coaches picked them ninth, and people didn't expect them to be an NCAA tournament team. I actually had them just outside, off, just off the bubble in the NIT. But when I talk to the players, and I think that ultimately that's what matters most. What's their expectation? Like they were talking about the NCAA tournament um, in August, September, October. Like that was. It wasn't. Oh, I hope we get there. It was. Yeah. This is what we want to do, and we're we are a program that gets to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So in that vein, and just sort of a smaller in the vacuum of um, this season, I think it it wasn't. It, they didn't meet their expectations. They didn't get their goal of getting to the NCAA tournament. Um, but if you take a step out and look more twenty thousand feet over it, and kind of peer ahead in the future, you might. You know, maybe in two years we're looking back on this season and saying, well, the strides they made defensively at the end of the year really laid a foundation for um, some of the traits and, um, you know, the, the aspects of this team's identity now. They were, like, they were born in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, its ability to win close games or perform better down the stretch. Like, they learned a lot of lessons that they were hard lessons, mm-hmm. um, how, to de- how to handle adversity and, um, maybe this season, you know, you sometimes you have to go through struggles to get where you want to be, and so maybe that's what the season was. So yeah. you can, in a, in a year or two, look back and say, well, a lot of what Creighton has now accomplished is because of twenty eighteen nineteen. Yeah, I but we don't know the answer to that. Yeah, that's the weird thing with this. I mean, I again, you you. I, Greg, were, Greg McDermott did say after the game yeah. against TCU that he thought, like he was encouraged by the strides they made defensively because he thought. And I'm kind of putting words in his mouth a little bit, but I'm going to paraphrase and add some of my sort of perspective on it. I think there was an assumption that Creighton's players early in the year, and some of the players told me this, so it's not totally off base, <laughs> that they were trying to outscore everybody. Like mm-hmm. they thought we're good at we're a good offensive team, mm-hmm. which is defense it matters, but we can Let's score just more try points. And yeah. Shoes made three as we can. Yeah. And they got hit with the reality in the middle of January that they can't do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what this season of of more than anything else, that's what they learned this year was like there is a certain level of tenacity and relentlessness and focus and attention to detail required to play defense to have success. Like mm-hmm. you have to 
you can't just come out and think and think like we're good enough to just run by these teams and win every game in a shootout. You have to play defense. Mm-hmm. And I think they developed that mentality, and that's one of the things that Greg McDermott said after the TCU game that he was, I guess, proud of the team for, for doing that, and, and maybe it sets the stage for, for more success. Were you surprised they lost that TCU game? A little bit, um, especially after the first half. Yeah. Uh, just because Creighton turned the ball over 12 times, didn't play well, but... Led by, what, three? Yeah, led by three. You think, okay, just don't turn the ball over anymore. <laughs> right. You shot 50%. Just do that yeah. and play this, you know fundamentally sound defense the yeah. way you had. Uh, they had a good defensive plan in the first half, but TCU came out with more energy, more intensity, yeah. more urgency, yeah. and Creighton couldn't respond. So yeah. kind of flat-footed in the second half, which was surprising just because we haven't seen that from this team mm-hmm. since February. Hmm. To, to where you left it, when I left, where I got done with a game, a Creighton game and said, mm, I, I don't know if they really, like they might have got outworked today. Mm-hmm. And I haven't said that in a while. Yeah. Um, so that's why it was surprising. Not necessarily that they lost. It's just to lose in that manner that yeah. they did where they looked like they were hesitant and tired and they weren't first to the floor, first mm-hmm. to the ball, loose ball type thing. Like that hasn't been – that. It was you count on one hand how many times that happened since mid-January. Right. And so that was – And they don't have the excuse Nebraska had of like, well, they had, you know, three guys. They, well, they did lose Martin Crumple. Right. Um, he he – Landed. He took a jump shot with 16 minutes left in the in the game and landed on a, a TCU player's foot, turned his ankle, and then was out for the rest of the game. So that's I mean he's their he's sure. their most impactful player on both yeah. ends of the court. So that has an effect, obviously. Sure. Yeah. And uh, you know now the question is is whether or not that's his last game. Because, so what are his options? Right. So he's he's 24. Um, been in school, like he, he got done with high school in Slovenia, then came to the U.S. for kind of like a prep school year to kind of get acclimated and get his name out there to get recruited. And then he goes to Creighton, red shirts, and then plays three years. So he's essentially, what, five years out of high school? Is that, it's not yeah. my math. Yeah. Three, red shirt, and then actually yeah, five years out of high school. So, yeah. I mean. At a certain point, you want to just get on with your life. And you are, and you are who you are as a player. Mm-hmm. And, right. Ready for that next chapter, that next adventure, that next piece. Right. Ready to make money. Yeah. Because you can make money in Europe. There's, oh, yeah. That's the thing I think that is tougher. Creighton fans understand than when I've interacted with a few about you know, this decision that Martin Crumple's facing is like, well, he's not getting an NBA mention, so why would he consider it? And it's, it's like there are more ways and avenues to play basketball. You don't have to just go to the NBA. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're a guy like Martin, who didn't grow up at the in the U.S. Like, yeah, maybe he maybe in his mind he thought NBA at some point, but he also thought Slovenian national team yeah. or uh, playing in playing in Europe, Spain, France. You yeah. know that that connects a little bit more. Certainly, you know it was funny when we went to practice the day before the first NIT game. They put the lines down. It's the international three point yeah. line, and they widen the paint. And Martin's like got this huge smile on his face. He's joking around with Marcus Segarowski, like, "Hey, dude, this is how you use this line. Just right. so you know, just take a step back and watch this." And he's draining shots and yeah. laughing with him and stuff. I mean, that's what he grew up. It's, that's the game he grew up playing, the international mm-hmm. game. And so um, there may be some like longing for him to front. Like he may feel some something like I'm ready to go back home. Yeah, um, we don't know. He hasn't talked about it a lot, and he's been try- he's tried to focus and. Um, the guys before him, he's probably learned from them as well. Kyrie Thomas and Justin Patton, who both um, knew 
by January or February that they were going to have a decision at the end of the year. Like they, they did their best to try to not talk about it or think about it, just focus on the team. That's what Martin's done. But now the season's over. So he has the opportunity to sit down with coach McDermott and talk to his family and figure out what he wants to do. Is there so, like a timeline? Do you think of by the time he'll, no, I don't think so. That's yeah. that's the thing is he doesn't have, he can, yeah, that's true. He decide. could just not say anything and just show back up. <laughs> yeah. Like, he can be totally fine. Right. So what do you do? You, and the, and by the way, I didn't bring it up, the injury thing. So sure, like he yeah. twists his, he turns his ankle. How do you not, after that TCU game, you turn your ankle, how do you not think about, man, how easy is it for me to just get hurt? And then I have to go through this whole process of recovery again. Yeah. He's torn three, his ACL three times. Yeah. You know, that, to do all that, I mean, it's a lot. But he also likes Creighton. I mean, shoot, he loves Creighton. Mm-hmm. Um, loves Omaha. I sat and talked to him this summer for, 20 30 minutes about you know how he's sort of adapted or been adopted into a new family here in in omaha never thought that that would be possible you come mm-hmm. to the u.s not it's totally different culture shock everything's he barely knew how to speak english he jokes yeah. around a lot about that but you know he feels comfortable here now and he's got a, a team that he likes and players that that teammates that he gets along with coaches that he really respects and and admires um there's something to be said about sticking with these guys and playing and achieving something that they, that this program's never done before or shooting for that, trying to get that. Um, I think that appeals to him too, but then there's the other side. So right. I don't know. I don't know what he's going to do. Do you, is there any other potential roster turnover? I think there could be I, any other changes. Yeah. I, I think there could be a transfer. Someone leave. It's possible. Um, but as it stands right now, Creighton's set to return it's top seven scores. This is including Martin sure. if it comes back. Yeah. Top seven scores, ninety-two percent of its points. Wow. Yeah. So, and 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 the group was really close knit this year. Mm. Um. They 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 built a pretty strong chemistry, and I think they bought into the idea that this season, while they had short-term goals. And they were definitely trying to get to the NCAA tournament, and it was a bummer when they did not get it. They're, the big picture was still in their mind. Like mm-hmm. I think that they thought and they understood that they weren't taking any shortcuts just to win now. That they're, It's one of the reasons Greg McDermott said after this, after the season that he, he estimates they probably spent 75%, 80% of practice on defense. Um, they didn't – they introduced a little bit of new stuff. Like they put a zone in. Um but they could have drastically changed a lot of things just to try to, what can we do mm-hmm. to just stabilize it? Yeah. Um, they didn't. They just went back to the basics and just sort of retaught a lot of the things that they feel like are going to be integral in the system that they're going to play beyond, uh, right. you know, next year and the year after. And so I think they bought into that idea. And so a lot of them, I, I feel like, are pretty. Yeah, I don't see anybody being like, a, you know what, screw this, right. I'm leaving. But there might be. Yeah. So, yeah. We shall see, I guess. Yeah. Um, Much more stable than Nebraska. Right. Yeah, well, that happens when you have the same yeah. coaches. Yeah. <laughs> but there is an assistant coach who's on administrative leave. So that's the other right. sort of yeah, off-season storyline yeah. for Creighton is that Preston Murphy um, is on administrative leave and tied to this bribery scandal, the, the uh, federal indictment says that he received a $6,000 bribe two years ago. The trial that that indictment is related to the case goes to court on april 22nd 
So I think by then, at the latest, we we would hear some sort of resolution from Creighton as to where or what Preston Murphy's status is, you would think. Maybe mm-hmm. they wait till the end of the trial. I don't know. Because there, I'm sure there's going to be more information um, released during those proceedings, whether it's court testimony or pieces of evidence or, I don't know, whatever the FBI has that relates to that meeting um, and the case. I think that we're going to learn a lot more. So maybe Creighton waits for that. I don't know. TCU has already fired the assistant coach that was yeah. – um, again, Preston Murphy wasn't named, and neither was the TCU assistant, Corey Barker, but it was pretty easy to figure out who they were talking about. Right. And it's been wide, wide, widely reported on both sides um, for, for both programs. I mean, but TCU's fired Corey Barker, reportedly. The, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram reported that he's been fired. So we'll see. Yeah. Everyone who's been named has been fired. Yeah. <laughs> In in those in that indictment, yeah. So you imagine assistant coaches if- have been fired. There's another assist. There are three assistant coaches who allegedly took. Well, I guess they've pled guilty now, so maybe you don't have to use the word yeah. allegedly. Yeah. Three assistant coaches took bribes, fired. Um, another assistant coach took allegedly took bribes. He's still facing um, a trial, fired, and Corey Barker at TCU wasn't named, but fired, fired, yeah. and. Preston Murphy on, on administrative leave. So we would, we'll, we'll probably learn more about that in like, what, a month and a half? Right, or sooner. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that's the other sort of piece. And and obviously, you know, if, if indeed that indictment is accurate, that is that is the, the full story, um, that would be an NCAA violation. So I'm not sure what the penalty is. Mm-hmm. Um, coaches can't take money to introduce... <laughs> Uh, on the on the promise of saying like, okay, you give me this money and I will oh, introduce so cool, you to yeah. players. You can't Why do not, that. man? <laughs> that doesn't make right. it any fun. Uh, that's in the rule book. There's a lot of things <laughs> in the rule book that don't make sense. I think that one kind of makes sense. But um, so that storyline will be, and and you know, there's a chance too that we might find more information about out about. Creighton's interactions and relationship with Christian Dawkins. Christian Dawkins is the aspiring agent who's at the center of this, Mm -hmm. and he managed the recruitment of Brian Bowen. Um, Brian Bowen's dad told jurors in court last October that Creighton was willing to offer his son money to come play for Creighton and two jobs, $100,000 to two jobs. So Creighton has... After, once once Brian Bones had said that, Creighton went back over and redid investigations because it had already done an investigation, internal investigation, and it found no evidence to substantiate that claim. Um, Greg McDermott, Bruce Rasmussen, President, they all, President Henderson, they all said no rules were broken as, in regard to that Brian Bowen claim. Um, actually, they said, I, I think Greg McDermott said that he, there was there was actually no rules in, in with their internal investigation. No NCA rules were broken except for a um, an infraction related to tickets, like giving away game tickets or something. Um, and he 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 clarified that or he, he characterized that as minor. So, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, we'll find uh, the the nature of the relationship. Maybe things that were said. We'll find out more perhaps in a month. And it's been a long time, and I've heard from a lot of Creighton fans of like. 
why is this taking so long or why have we why is it taking us so long to to finally hear about this kind of stuff and and this is this this is being led by the FBI uh and and federal prosecutors I guess and the justice system takes a long time to yeah. that's just how it goes yeah no I know I, the I, information I would... that you're hearing as it relates to um potential NCA rules violation as a result of this case or the evidence that's been gathered is coming from the FBI and federal prosecutors. Like mm-hmm. they have the goods. They're the ones who placed informants, set up sting operations, tap phones, got bank records. Um, they have, well, I guess now there's a lawyer who has some stuff too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stormy Daniels, former lawyer has some stuff as well, but um, for Nike, the most, yeah, right. Yeah. For the most part, the FBI has the goods. So they release it when they want. So we just sit there and wait until they give us what they have. Right. And the NCAA is doing the same thing. They're waiting to – they filed some, uh, 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 I guess, a motion in court to try to get some evidence that the FBI didn't share in regard to the first trial that may be relevant to teams that were brought up in the trial. So um, what is that evidence? We don't know. Maybe the NCAA will get it, and maybe this process will move along. But unfortunately – um, that's what happens. The justice system in this country does not move fast. Right. Uh, I'll, t- I'll so. say two things. Uh, one, it's inevitable that Nike's going to get caught up in this. Because, sorry, but I have a very hard time believing that only one shoe company was doing this. And two, if you listen to the Adidas execs, they yeah. insist pretty adamantly that they yeah. were not the only ones doing this. Yeah. Uh, two... Um, there's only a matter of time until this gets into college football. Because if you think college basketball is important to get recruits, you tell me yeah. that it's not in football. I mean, but do you? This think... is my conspiracy theory of like, yeah, it's, in two years, we'll be having this conversation about football. Interesting. Because be- it, we have. I mean, there's no there's way. A, there's more money involved. Way more money. But my thing is, my thought is, is that it's easier to project a high school. F- basketball player going in the top true, 10 true. versus high school football player. How many, like... But think about it. Like, tre- I mean, you see Trevor Lawrence in high school, and you're like, well, that kid's going to the NFL. That's true. That's true. You're telling me Clemson's not like, all right, well, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. I'm not saying Clemson's cheating, but I'm saying that that would be a situation. Yeah, like yeah. Tua or and Robert Gamdichie or like, so like the top five. I mean, you can basically say, well, this five-star is probably going to be whatever. Hey, Cleveland Brown, right, right. okay, we'll figure it So that's my big – that's my probably my biggest conspiracy Crystal theory. ball thought yeah, yeah. is that this is getting – Yeah, this is going to go nuclear. Right. But regardless, I will hear more in like a month. All right, Chris. Also, small well, thing, one small yeah. thing. If they do hire – if Nebraska does hire Fred Hoiberg, what an interesting new chapter of the Creighton-Nebraska rivalry, considering Fred Hoiberg took over for Greg McDermott. At Iowa State. Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, heck yes. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? I would love that. We yeah. almost got Nebraska-Creighton round two. Man, we were gypped, weren't we? TCU, man. They just, uh, just had Cre- to hey, go and... To Creighton's credit, they did what they did. They did they what they did needed to. They did what they had to do. Mm-hmm. They, Nebra- they it was it. Nebraska's fault. Mm-hmm. And TCU just... What was that dude? Desmond Bain going. How many like, did he have for Creighton? He they sh- they they shut him down. They let uh, Noy go off. Oh, okay. He had six threes against Creighton. Oh, did he really? Yeah. He had like I don't know who he had for Nebraska. Maybe or maybe twelve. Sh- <laughs> but he had like one really good like put back right at the buzzer in the first half. Right. Yeah. He didn't do much. 
And Creighton, no, yeah. the Creighton, the the game plan was like, don't give him in rhythm threes, break his rhythm, and yeah. he went six and nine from three. So yeah. they didn't do a great job doing right. that. But they did shut down Bain, and Alex Robinson had like two points and an assist at halftime. Yeah, he started going off in the second yeah. half. But um, Jamie Dixon, man, yeah, take down the Brass. Maybe the Brass hire him. Man, Jamie Dixon's so weird, man. It's so weird. I can't believe like people Harvard. at Pitt did not, you know, they wanted him out. I know. And now he goes what are to you TCU. Doing? Yeah. And what's going on with Pitt? Nothing. I'm pretty sure Jeff Capel is there. He is there for a, the, a short time being. Like he won't stay there. Yeah, I know. But it, it was props to Jamie Dixon. I didn't realize. So like, uh, they won the NIT in his first year. Right. And, and then, then they went to the and tournament. And say a tournament succeed. And then now they're back in now the NIT. They're, they're yeah. good. I mean, TCU was a joke of a basketball player. I mean, yeah, yeah. like just like five years joke, ago, right? a total joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they beat KU one time. And I remember thinking to myself like, huh, TCU, huh? And that was whenever Bill Self said that a YMCA team would be his team, which is one of the greatest takedowns of a coach to his own team. Bill Self does not, he does not care. Some coaches are very careful when yeah. they criticize their own team. Bill Self is just like, that lays it all out there. Best one ever was Frank Martin at South Carolina after one game said that if it was the NBA, he was he would have traded all of his players, <laughs> which is just tremendous. Wow. All right. Well, I, don't, I guess if Nebraska or Creighton played today, would Nebraska be able to field the team? <laughs> like, did the sen- are the seniors gone, technically, uh, if we have this conversation? Like, if they were to play today... That means I mean, that, they would that have exhausted just the roster. Yeah, yeah, so it's just the rosters available. I think Creighton wins them by Creighton default. I think Creighton wins pretty handily. <laughs> I mean, I think that you probably have. I mean, I guess you wouldn't even. I mean, you'd probably have. Nebraska has no coach. You got an interim coach, and uh, so you got okay. So here's who's here's the, the starting deal. lineup right now for Nebraska. Um, well, okay. So here's the other thing: is everyone's hurt. Uh, so Brady Hyman, J- Justin Costello. Um. <laughs> so Amir's out. Amir's out. Thomas Robbins or Thomas, Thomas Allen, Thomas Allen is, wants to leave. Yeah, maybe he'd stay. Or maybe wants, to play. Yeah, Creighton maybe. If we, so if we'll we had an exhibition Creighton game going on right now. And then I know of two student managers who are tall. So I think that. But here's the thing: you got Jim Molinari as your head coach. Jim Molinari is a great defensive mind. Right. He Jim Molinari is the one that had the scout for Maryland and Wisconsin. And Creighton's just and coming shut down off those two good games. Uh, second half against TCU shot less than thirty percent from the floor. So I'd put the over under it at mm, twenty five and a half. <laughs> Fantastic. We were so close to getting the game that we wanted. I know. Oh, uh, I know. All right. Well, this might be our longest podcast of the year. Whoops. No, it wasn't. We had a, we had one. I think uh, the last one was pretty two, long. Two, yeah. two, two, two weeks ago. We yeah, but that's but, fine. But it was fine. And we'll be back. We also restrained ourselves because we could, we haven't talked NCAA tournament. How many in no. this? How many sixteen did you get right? I don't know. I stopped looking. Did you? <laughs> was, I, I got, picked a lot of upsets. So I know. I and went wrong I went, year for that. First two days I was in last, and then I got I I, I missed I lost two Sweet Sixteen teams in the first day, and I was like, well, this is gonna be horrible. And then I got 14 out of 16, which made me feel good until my brother sent me a screenshot of his bracket, and he's in the 99th percentile for, like, the second time in five years. And it just made me feel inadequate mm-hmm. and horrible. So, But my wife picked Old Dominion over Purdue, so I make, I feel a little bit better. And she had K-State, right? Yeah. Yeah. She was so mad when she found out that I picked UC Irvine. 
and she got home from work like right when the game was in the second half and so i was sitting there and i needed i needed that game because like the first two rounds just were not good and uh it just didn't that wasn't a great that was a great, <laughs> not a great moment yeah that was a heady marriage at that, that moment, wasn't that great, time, no but, all right well good chat <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> i i imagine we'll either do next week or the following week yeah i mean we'll, we might have an emergency like hey someone was hired but if there's not then we'll be back i imagine the week after that to pick mm-hmm. up all the pieces right and if you want more conversation about tim miles yeah uh, bill moose's decision the comments he made at the press conference if you haven't subscribed to pick six the pick six podcast i don't know what you're doing but it, it, if you haven't listened this week you and sam yeah we, was we Evan went, on there too? Evan was, Evan yeah. Was but me there. and Sam, we we taught, we di- we basically diagnosed the Tim Miles era. So like, yeah. what he did well, what he didn't do well, why it failed, um, is the Nebraska job good? Like, who elevated it more, the administration or Miles? So I mean, we went way too long and way too far into it. But if people are interested, I think that they would really enjoy that. Right. So plenty, plenty of coverage, and obviously Chris has got a lot of stuff on Omaha.com/slash/BigRed too. Also, real quick. For people who are listening, thank you for listening, like, all season. This was kind of a total experiment, and I don't know if we really knew what we were doing. Do we still know? No, we we don't. We don't don't know two things. We don't know if Clemson's any good or if this is a good podcast. But as we figured out the format and, like, as we went through this weird year where both teams kind of were crazy and weird, like, we appreciate people listening and subscribing. No doubt. This was fun. Who knows? I mean, well, I'm, I imagine we'll stay somewhat consistent in the off season. We won't be as consistent, I don't imagine. But for new hirings, maybe anything with with the FBI case with Creighton, we'll probably mm-hmm. talk. Um, any rule changes or things like that. I mean, we'll still be around, so don't just unsubscribe after this. But we appreciate you guys actually listening and no doubt joining us. Thank you, thank you for listening. Yeah.